0: Well, hey there, friends. Steve Winks here, your host as always. And it's been about a month since I have published a podcast. Uh, I've taken breaks before, but I've been intentional about them, and I've said, "Hey, I'm going to take a few months off or a few weeks off here. I'll be back at this date." Uh, But this time, I didn't plan on taking time off. Uh, But I want to talk about why, uh, because. The title of this episode is Making Space for Loss. What happened this summer was at the beginning of the summer, my father-in-law, Jim, Mary's dad, he had a stroke, and at the end of the summer, at the end of August, he died. And so this summer was filled with all kinds of hospital visits and worrying and unknown and packing up houses and putting people into... Uh, assisted living and memory care and having lots of conversations with doctors and uh, having to do a whole lot of reshuffling of of priorities and plans and having to cancel things and uh, and in all of that having to make sense of what's happening and what how you're feeling about it and so uh, I came up with I'm sure there's more but I came up with five things that I feel like I am learning about loss, having just gone through this, and I hope that they'll be helpful for you if you're in a season of loss right now. We all go through loss. We don't get to get a pass on that one. Um, At some point in your life, you will be face-to-face with loss. Um, Maybe you already have. Sooner rather than later, it's going to happen. And so my hope is that this is helpful for you, or if you know someone that is experiencing loss right now, it hopefully it'll help you understand them a little bit more. Uh, Maybe if you feel like it's helpful, you can even send this to them. Um, And so I wanna dive right in having said that. So the first thing I learned is that you need to really be okay with canceling non-essential things. And most things are non-essential. Uh, obviously, well, maybe not, obviously, uh, I continued to work my job. I have a full-time job. Uh, I continued to feed my kids and things like that. But I canceled a lot of meetings with people that weren't essential, uh, times that I had set up to hang out with certain people. I had to text them or call them and just say, I do not know. Uh, when I'm going to be able to get together with you yet. Uh, my father-in-law is in the hospital and it's not looking good. So can we just put that on hold? Um, I had to, I had some podcast interviews scheduled. I had about five or six that I had to reschedule. I felt uh, embarrassed about that because I don't, I don't like how that feels. It feels unprofessional. It feels like someone has carved out time and even it feels like it's just creating more work later because I have to reschedule those. But I just knew, that I I wasn't going to be in the right frame of mind to do the kind of interviews that I like to do. Um, and I just didn't have the space. My wife, Mary had to spend a whole lot of time either at the hospital or at her parents' house, cleaning it out and just doing lots of things. And so, um, you know, we have three kids still. And so I was there, I was, uh, there alone with the kids quite a bit, not all the time, but quite a bit. I was also, geez, trying to finish, uh, the final edits on a book and those have deadlines. And so, um, but I needed just to say no to non-essential things. Um, and I think if you're going through loss, one of the things that is sort of surprising, though it shouldn't be, is that life keeps going. You know, like you sort of, when when something tragic happens or someone dies or someone is dying, it sort of feels like the whole world should stop and notice and give you space and room, but it keeps chugging on. It kind of feels unfair. Like, it's not like people don't aren't compassionate or don't understand when you do cancel something. But even the need to cancel it feels like a kind of effort that you don't know if you have. And you feel sort of surprised that, uh, that the world doesn't already know and that your calendar doesn't, doesn't just magically uh, clear itself. Uh, so, but that's number one, you, you, you really need to be okay canceling things. Uh, we didn't make as much, you know, prepared food as we normally do for dinner. Uh, we ate more, Jimmy Johns and Chipotle than we <clears throat> ever really wanted to or really should have. Um, we anyway, there just was a whole lot of that. So you need to feel okay canceling things and canceling appointments and canceling hangouts and and people usually understand, but you need to make sure that you don't feel like you need to make sure to give yourself permission to not have to handle everything because you can't. Okay that's number one. Number two, when you go through loss with a family, uh, you're going to feel resentful (laughs) even to the person that's suffering. Um, And this isn't necessarily always, you know, the case, I think um, with sudden tragedies, but if it, but sometimes it can be that way too. But especially when things sort of linger for a while, this This experience was the whole summer it was um it was about you know 10 or 11 weeks of really rearranging things and you can do that for you know a day or two a week or two but when it stretches out any much longer than that you just start feeling resentful you start feeling and you feel terrible about that right someone is dying or someone their whole life is turned upside down and you feel inconvenience because you're not getting the time you need to do something else. You could—it's very selfish, and it is. But you're going to feel that way anyway. Uh, and my um, advice is to just notice it without judging it too much. Uh, notice you're feeling resentful. And what I did when I got there, and I did get there quite a, quite a bit this summer, to be honest is I would find a safe place um, and um, my wife is such a safe person and such, she is my best friend 100% but she wasn't going to be the safe place for me to talk about how I feel resentful about right that's just being smart so but I do have a couple of friends that I reached out to and I just said can I just can I admit something I feel terrible about but I I just have to talk to someone about. It? like I feel resentful at you know the time that this is taking and the fact that you know, I have to rearrange my schedule and blah, blah, blah. And luckily I have some pretty good friends and they, you know, they listened and they understood and they said that was pretty universally true, that that's just what happens. And that is what happens. And so you're going to feel resentful. And what you do with that is what's important. Um, Don't feel terrible for feeling resentful. Know that that's just a universal human feeling when you get past that, sort of grace period of maybe a day or two or a week or two when you sort of will drop anything, crash, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever. But then now you're at week four, five, six, and you realize you haven't been able to attend to your own needs for a while and, um, you know, something that really needs to get done in your life can't get done because you're spending all your time focusing on this loss. Uh, you're just going to get a little angry. I would say notice that. Don't judge it too harshly. And then ask yourself, like, is there a safe person I can just talk to about this? That's not going to shame me, um, but that's going to listen. And, and because I think when you bury that resentment, it just, it just leads to more resentment. And so, um, man, that is, that is really hard, but I think really true. Uh, okay, third thing is this. Um, even in the midst of loss, beautiful moments of grace really do emerge. Uh, we had some time with um, Jim my father-in-law uh, that was so so precious one of the last moments my boys and I were with him we got to uh, really say goodbye to him and he was not quite conscious but he was there's a there's a state when people are sort of in a coma but they're very aware they they know he wasn't in a coma uh, but he was not talking not. His eyes weren't open, but he was responsive with his arms. He was responsive um, in what little way you could tell with his face. Like you could tell he was, he could hear us. And so the boys and I went and we said our last goodbyes. And then he died about a week later, but we wanted to make sure the boys saw him one more time when he was at least somewhat responsive. And each of them said their goodbyes and I got to as well and it was so precious at one point he he lifted up his arms toward us and i don't know if you know it's like it was he in the middle of you know heaven and earth even right there was he seeing someone else was he was he reaching out to us i don't know but it was a moment of such profound grace and i think also just uh, in the moments where you're just kind of huddled together as a family because you've canceled everything else and all you're doing is, you know, um, and maybe you've gotten home from the hospital and you're sort of crashing. And, and my wife and I started um, uh, watching shows together at night again. We'd sort of gotten away from that after a while. but And we started, I think, because we just needed comfort, right? And we're this generation. Um, I'm going give to give it away by what we watched. But we we watched... Two or three seasons of Friends, um, because I think we've seen those episodes so many times. And on one level, they're so dumb. <laughs> but I think we couldn't handle anything real intense. We couldn't handle even anything new that required a, the kind of attentiveness uh, that that you need when you're watching a new show. We needed something just familiar. And so, and sometimes we would make a plate of nachos. Uh, together, uh, maybe one of us would be sipping a drink or maybe one of us would eat ice cream and it was just kind of these sweet little moments of, you know, Hey, we're just going to, we, and we received a kind of comfort in that. And so I think, um, even in the midst of loss, even as you're making space for it, beautiful moments of grace really will emerge. And I think it's important to uh, keep your eyes open for, for them, but also, I think there's something sweet about how God meets us in our loss and and, and that when those beautiful moments of grace come, I think like there's a certain sense in which God knows we're so exhausted that we can't, we wouldn't pay attention to them. We wouldn't even notice them maybe if they weren't so big that they just, they're like, you can't miss them, you know, like you, you don't have to try hard to pay attention to them you don't have to be super mindful or else you're going to miss them you, you I think when you're in that heightened state of attunement about loss you're also in a heightened state of attunement to see grace and I think um, that's just going to come so you don't need to pay you don't need to work hard to pay attention to that you can just accept then receive those beautiful moments of grace and you might even feel guilty because you might find yourself laughing and you feel like oh I shouldn't laugh this is a terrible time but nope go ahead and laugh because that's that beautiful moment of grace that actually you need uh, in order to keep going okay number four you can't put a timetable on how long it will take for you to feel normal like once the person dies for us It's still pretty recent. I mean, he died just about three weeks ago or so. But Mary and I are both fine. We're exhausted. Um, We are both more prone to our vices right now. I've noticed it's really hard to say no to, um, you know, a bourbon, the second bourbon. You know, it's 10 o'clock at night and I really should go to bed. But i just want to relax um and that seems like the only creative it's not even creative right it's uncreative but it's like it's hard to say no to that and i think <clears throat> just even as it relates to kind of re-engaging at work and reengaging with kids and re-engaging in relationships just things feel a lot harder than they feel like they should right now uh when i get a hard email it's even harder i feel more sensitive i'm um and so um you and you will feel like you should be over it you will feel like you should be over it well before you actually have even started to move through it really grief is a process and we all go through it differently Uh, some of us try to get real busy again to sort of mask the pain some of us really dive deeply into it um at the exclusion of sort of even doing our normal life and maybe that creates its own problems and but we all go through it differently and i think you need to give some space for yourself to just not know and so you need to know that 100 it's going to take longer than you think to move through it and i don't know depending on what kind of loss you have you know getting over it might not ever really happen you, you are forever changed um you depending on what you lost depending on what happened um that forever marks you in a way that you're just never quite the same That doesn't mean that healing can't happen it doesn't mean that wholeness can't come again it doesn't mean that happiness will always evade you or that Uh, that uh, your life is forever marked in a terrible, terrible, horribly disfigured way. It's not that. It's just that there will be probably some kind of a wound there that, um, that you'll never quite get over. And I think that's part of the vulnerability of being human is that we, you know, especially in our day and age where there's cures for lots of things and there's many ways to sort of numb your pain, Um, The very idea that something will change us forever, um, we, we we almost don't know how to even handle that reality. You know, like we don't have that perspective. We think every unpleasant thing should come and go. And I think when it comes to loss, I'm just not sure that it works like that. So you can't put a timetable on how long it'll take. Lastly, I think it's just really important to give yourself lots of grace and give the people that are also going through the loss with you lots of grace. This is not the time to, you know, do a lot of relationship repair. This is not the time to do a lot of confronting. This is not the time to remodel the basement. <laughs> this is not the time uh to pick on someone else, someone's uh, you know, foibles that bug you. Uh this is the time to have grace for yourself for sure you're going to be slower in responding to things you're going to be just you're going to be tired you're going to be sometimes irritable and anxious i've noticed my stress levels are feel like they're through the roof lately and there's some reasons for that um, in terms of just things at work and in my family life too but also i know that it's just uh, i just I am, my fuse is shorter. I am much more tired. And so instead of beating myself up for that, instead of whipping myself myself back into shape, I need to have some grace and say, this is not the time to do a big self-improvement project. This is not the time to make some big promises about big changes I'm going to make. This is the time to re-engage with self-care. This is the time to start asking the question, what do I need to really move through this? This is the time to start um, your days with certain mantras like um, I am loved, um, I am enough, um, you know, um, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ in front of me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ beneath me. It's a time to return to some of those maybe anchor points, those disciplines that you did uh, pretty regularly. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's a short reading of scripture. Maybe it's a short breath prayer. Maybe it's a walk in the morning. All Some of those things that you just did because you had time, but now that you've felt so so crazy with loss and you've sort of lost some of those self-care patterns um, now is the time to sort of again not in a way that that whips yourself back into shape but in a way that actually gives yourself grace like giving yourself grace is about not being so hard on yourself for not making it through quicker or for not or for still being tired but it's also cr- like providing environments where you can experience grace like that morning meditation like that quick reading of the psalms like that walk in the woods or just down the block like cuddling with your puppy which by the way we got a puppy and it is she is the it's the best thing we've done in so long people talk about puppies they're the worst for the first year you just got to get through that year we've had it for about a month now and let me tell you uh, we just are gaga about her and she is just beautiful and and such a great gift, a real grace to our lives. So that's it, folks. Making space for loss. I, I may do a little more on this subject, uh, or I may move on. But I am going to try to get back into the rhythm of weekly podcasts. Um, I do have some great guests that are coming up that I'm re- that I'm having to reschedule. Still, um, I also have some other ideas about just solo kinds of things that I think uh, I want to talk about and explore with you all. So uh, that is all. Thanks for listening, and um, we'll see you next week. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash this good word. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook. Uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.